Welcome to Indie Cider, where we go beyond the game and meet the developers behind today's indie hits. This week on Indie Cider. If you're a Shakespeare, like a super Shakespeare enthusiast, you might actually cry a little because you turn into the Hulk at one point. That's Kamina Vincent with Tin Man Games. I'll be speaking with her and Ben Cosmina about to be or not to be. That is, of course, the most famous line from the most famous play Hamlet by the most famous playwright William Shakespeare. In late 2012, a Kickstarter was launched to adapt Hamlet into a choose-your-own-path book by Mr. Ryan North, who you may know as the creator of the webcomic Dinosaur Comics. He was seeking $20,000 in funding and achieved $580,000, over half a million dollars, becoming the most funded publishing project in Kickstarter's history, at least at the time. I don't know if that's still true. His goal was to basically rewrite Hamlet almost from the ground up, including the original narrative choices that Shakespeare made, but including a variety of others that would allow you to play as multiple characters and make decisions that Hamlet never did. As in the original Hamlet, most choices lead to death, and every death is illustrated by a different artist, many of whom whose work you may recognize, such as the creators of webcomics XKCD, Questionable Content, Penny Arcade, and Saturday Morning Breakfast Cereal. You will have to die a lot in order to find all the illustrations, assuming you don't just flip through the book and cheat like we all did as kids. That's all well and good, but this is IndieCider, my gaming-focused podcast, not the pubcast, my podcast about online publishing. So what does a choose-your-own-path book have to do with video games? The answer is the February 2015 release of the interactive fiction adaptation of To Be or Not To Be. You can now buy this book as a game on Steam for $11.99, courtesy Tin Man Games, which has created a variety of other game books. One such book was given to me years ago as a gift by my friend Wayne Arthurton, and it was basically like a choose-your-own-path game where you also got to create sort of a character and roll some dice for some random chances when you go to attack various characters, should that be a choice you make in the book. I was playing that game on my iPad, but To Be or Not To Be is available for Mac, Windows, and Linux. And as with the original book, that being To Be or Not To Be, not Hamlet, the game is a work of comedy genius. I confess I've never been a huge Shakespeare aficionado. It was the focus of my senior year of high school English, and I did not graduate with a very good grade. I believe myself to be a talented writer and a voracious reader, but Shakespeare just does not make that much sense to me. The closest I ever cozied up to the bard was later on, after college, when I wrote an academic paper comparing the characters of Hamlet with that of Jack Benny's character in the 1942 film To Be or Not To Be, not related to this book other than being based on Hamlet. That academic paper actually got accepted to a conference, and I got to speak and present at a Shakespeare conference. I think the reason that paper worked for me was because it was finding the humor. It was comparing it to something I loved, Jack Benny, one of the two funniest men of the 20th century. And that's what the interactive fiction book, To Be or Not To Be, does. It makes it relatable. It's written in modern English, and it gives players agency, and it relates to something I'm familiar with, which are the choose-your-own-path books that I got to play and read as a kid, combining two of my favorite things, literature and games. The digital edition has many more features over the Dead Tree edition, including a vocal narration track that will actually read all the text to you, or you can turn that off and just let the game's soundtrack accompany your adventures through the world of Hamlet. I keep calling this interactive fiction, but it's not truly because there's no typing. There's no command line, no parser. It's all point and click. You are given options, and you choose which one to take 
and it proceeds to that adventure. It's a pretty simple concept. You can jump in and start playing without much difficulty, but it's such a fascinating concept, not only adapting Hamlet to such an unusual medium, but also just the resurgence in this kind of game and how to market it to both a Steam audience and how to demo it at events like PAX that I wanted to get some more insight. And so I've called the developers of the game who are based in Melbourne, Australia. They are not the authors of the book. Again, that's Mr. Ryan North, and I've communicated with him previously, Swell Guy. But for this interview, I wanted to go to people who are more hands-on with this adaptation. This is the third episode of IndieCider that has featured developers in Melbourne, and the second episode in a row, the most recently, of course, being the game Fight the Dragon, which we'll talk about in this episode. And, of course, it's always fun to talk to people who are 14,000 miles away while experiencing a blizzard that has contributed to my town's snowiest winter in 124 years. Thanks, Boston. Anyway, thanks for tuning in to this episode. Feel free to visit IndieCider.net for more episodes. Follow us on Twitter at GameBits. Find IndieCider on YouTube channel GameBits for video footage of the games being featured here. And leave a review of our audio-only edition that you're now listening to on iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn if you would. Thanks for listening. Let's get to the interview. Today I'm speaking with Ben Cosmina, producer at Tin Man Games, and Kamina Vincent, QA tester and community manager at Tin Man Games, all the way in Melbourne, Australia. Hello. Hello! You are way too excited for a Monday morning. <laughs> I've had two cups of tea. I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs> Is every day at Tin Man Games this exciting? No. <laughs> I'm like, yes, it is. And then sometimes I remember some of the things. <laughs> it's like, but no, it's really, really great. I love it. This is my first job in the games industry, and it's just awesome. Like you're, Ben and Clinton are great to work with. You're, you're, you're coping well. I like it. I, I, yeah. I am. It's been lots of fun. Yeah. No, I really enjoy working at Tinman, and every day is really awesome. So. Wonderful. I've enjoyed playing your game, and it's very unusual, not just in the format being IF, but also in its content being a Shakespeare game. It's really hard, in my opinion and in my experience, to make Shakespeare fun. And so I'm wondering, who is your target audience for this game? Would you say it's more Shakespeare scholars who really appreciate the Bard's work, or is it people like me who are more (laughs) Shakespeare detractors who will take any opportunity to see him made fun of? I think if you're a Shakespeare, like a super Shakespeare enthusiast, you might actually cry a little because you turn into the Hulk at one point. (laughs) So sometimes you don't really stick within the laws of reason and physics. Yeah, I think I think if you have familiarity with Shakespeare, um, you'll you'll probably enjoy this a lot because you'll. You'll you you know you'll uh, you'll flick open the start of the book and it's like oh Ophelia's got a weakness to water ha, ha, ha. and <laughs> yeah. you can choose to play as Hamlet Senior. I wonder what will happen. You know, early on when I played this, when I was doing testing for this book, I gave it to my parents, and my mum knows Shakespeare and my dad doesn't, and so there was the option. I was reading it out to them, and I gave them the option to choose from you know Ophelia Hamlet or. King Hamlet and I let dad make all the choices because we thought it would be more fun that way and so dad chose uh Hamlet King Hamlet because you know he sounds amazing and mum tried to stifle back and giggle <laughs> as soon as that happened so yeah hilarity ensued yeah so yeah I, I, I quite like Shakespeare a lot like mm. watching I can't remember what it's called Taming of the Shrew possibly yeah and some of the insults he comes up with but this is great because if you have that knowledge of Shakespeare you can take a bit more out of yeah the parts and the choices that are made. But. Yeah. Well, I can tell you as well now that now that the game's out, I didn't know Hamlet. 
from you know starting to starting to work on those like the hammer was not one of the ones i was familiar with mm. i think i'd done oh what was it uh the pound of flesh one the, no. uh, with shylock the merchant of venice merchant of venice yeah. yeah i'd done that but not hamlet and so essentially this was my crash crash course in hamlet and i told ryan that later i was like oh wow <laughs> <laughs> Well, one of the things I really enjoyed about To Be or Not To Be is how accessible and how readable it is. And I know that that's more the work of the author, Ryan North, but it's very much written in modern English as opposed to ancient English. Yeah, that's helped a lot, I think, Um, just being able to decipher what what people's motivations are and (laughs) what's actually going on is is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And there's occasionally the um, certain speeches which are like as as they are, but it's yeah. yeah. But no, it's it's really good. I think updating mm. it that way, and it's got its own sense of humor. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, but being able to adapt it to to a game format as well, take the and just making it so it's really easy to get into and and play through. Um, one of the other things with the, you may notice with the with the engine we've got um, for this one is that all the all the te- all the text is presented in blocks. This was because it's based off the appointment with Fear Engine, which had like, you know, very comic book style sort of thing. But um, we found that what was really good about that is that um, we had, due to the way that the engine was designed, we had to keep uh, text into small blocks um, about the length of a Twitter uh, tweet. Twitter tweet. <laughs> about the length of a tweet so that um, you could you could read them and absorb them um, mm. enough. Um, it- it, yeah, that's it. Does make it a lot easier rather than just seeing a wall of text. And yeah. It does make it more accessible because we do have a dyslexic font in there, and breaking it up also helps. Yeah, that's right. With ease of readability. Yes. Yeah, and also that the um, there's no color blindness problems or things like yeah, that. No yeah, no color based choices. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. You know, I noticed the font choice of dyslexic, but I wasn't really sure I understood what that meant. Can you explain it to us? Basically, there is a um, a font type which which we found out about. Thanks to Ian Hamilton. He does a lot of accessibility work in the UK. Yeah. And he gave a talk in Melbourne. And, yeah, so Ben started looking into it. I wasn't in Tin Man at that point, but Ben started looking into it. Yeah. And it's weighted heavier at the bottom, so the letters don't float around and move places. Yeah, so it's it's designed essentially so that if you you have uh, dyslexia, you can, well, you can read it. Mm. You don't don't have um, issues with the, with the, um, the text. That's really interesting. I was not familiar with that. Thank you. Yeah. So adapting a essentially a choose-your-own-adventure book, I know that choose-your-own-adventure is a trademark title, but that's also generically used as a genre. <laughs> Chooseable path adventure is the um, term we've, we've been using. Yeah. Oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> so adapting a book like that into interactive fiction, is that the right name for what you would call this game, interactive fiction? Um, I, I mean, I suppose so, because... You know, when you think about it, that's basically what it is, isn't it? You rather you rather than typing in your your choices, you know, you're you're taking the you're taking a, a sort of more streamlined step mm. in the same way that, like, you know, the earlier graphic adventures like um, uh, King's Quest, you know, you were able to type in commands and stuff like that. But then later on, they streamlined it to um, to icons. So I suppose it's kind of similar to that in a sense. Okay, so what sort of unique challenges or opportunities did you encounter in adapting a print work into a game book? Oh, <laughs> Ryan does interesting things. 
<laughs> there's there's certain I, I I love the guy. There's there's certain times going through the book, you'll find stuff that's like, why, oh, why? why did you do this to us? <laughs> like there's like the amazing section where um uh where where the author asks King Hamlet a hypothetical question about the potential career choices you can have, and it is literally two pages of of potential links which all lead to the same place, mm-hmm. and our engine just it it works best with four <laughs> so we had to think of a more creative um way to handle that i think in the end i ended up doing something like listing all the um the uh choices listing all the careers and in the choice options it was something like the link changed to something like ryan i am not writing all these choices out <laughs> it's like yeah, wasn't there also a section you can only get to by actually physically turning the oh, pages? Oh, yeah, that's right. That's that's actually something that will only be in the book, um, the physical book. There's a secret section where you can um, uh, end up in space, uh, in like a, a space futury themed thing where you um, yeah, and you can literally only get it by flicking through the book and finding it. The volume choices there, and mm. we had a um, a sort of random number generator that would. Um, send you to that randomly send you to that area but um it just it just didn't really work with the flow of the book and ryan's just like it's cool just cut it so we did the end (laughs) (laughs) there wasn't a was it a fighting fantasy book that did that as well the only way to get to the good ending was to flip through the Uh, page no that was a that was a choose your own adventure book it was really cool um this was like a, a space choose your own adventure and um, there, at the start of it, it says something like, uh, "There, is, there is a place you cannot you you cannot reach through through any traditional means. Uh, it is utopia." Blah 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 blah. Can you find the way to get there, or something like that? And you have to flick through there. You have to flick through the book and find the thing. And it's this wonderful description of um, utopia, and it says something along the lines of, um, you, "You know, you found a you found a wonderful secret, and it wouldn't be a good secret if you couldn't return here anytime you like, so you can." enter and leave whenever you like. I was like, awesome. wow. <laughs> See, that's just how I read the books anyway. After I ran out of fingers for bookmarks, I just kind of read from cover to cover. Oh, man, me too. <laughs> this is the same game engine as your other game books. For example, I played an assassin in Orlandis previously. Is this the same engine? No, this is um completely different from that engine. So assassin in Orlandis uses a um, our previous book engine, which is more... Uh, traditional book format you can probably see um but this one is based off one which came off in in june june or july last year called appointment with fear and that was more comic book based um where blocks of text would slide in and dynamically um uh slide off and it would yeah the the whole thing reads pretty much like a like a twitter feed Mm. So we've got a couple of different engines depending on the book. That's right. Yeah, and we we try to find something that's more um, adaptable and suitable for that that one. This one's um this engine is newer, so it's got a lot of cool stuff, but it's still you know it hasn't had like six years worth of iteration. <laughs> so we're yeah. still finding some kinks through it. Was the decision to adapt Ryan North's work into a game book was that something that? he approached you or you approached them? Because I remember seeing the Kickstarter when it was running back in December of 2012 and nowhere in there as a stretch goal is any sort of a digital edition or an interactive edition even mentioned. So whose idea was this? I believe it was uh, our, our direct, creative director, uh, 
Neil, who um, got in touch with Ryan. So this would have been mid or early last yeah. year. Yeah. And they, they um, worked out the details through there. Um, yeah, it was early last year because I just started and I'm yeah. super excited by it. And I, Yeah, and that was around the same time I saw the art popping up in the directories and I was just like, oh, I'm <laughs> going to be on this one. <laughs> so, yeah, um, it's a, it, yeah, it wasn't related to the Kickstarter at all. It was um, something that they, they worked out between them. It's interesting that you mentioned that this was early to mid last year, 2014, because at one point the narrator says that he is recording his vocal track in March of 2013. So I don't know if that was some sort of a just a meta awareness that was fictionalized or what. I, I assume that the game had been in the works for two years. Well, the, the audio track is actually, um, so that was originally a Kickstarter exclusive. So that would have been done for the Kickstarter. So previously, this was only the, the the narration was only available to the Kickstarter, but now it's available to the the the, the PC Mac and Linux versions. <laughs> yeah, so it's the first time it's been accessible to a wider audience. Are the Kickstarter backers frustrated that hey, this was ours, now everybody can have it? Well, I'd like I, to think that everyone's happy to share. Yeah, I would like think they so have too. early access to it as opposed to that's it. And yeah. um, I know Ryan, he when. When the game came out, he sent like he sent like a Kickstarter message um, saying like you know the game's the game's out. You don't have you don't have to buy it because you know you already own the book. But um, if if you want to, you can do that. And also, um, the first fifty people to get in touch with me will get a, a key for it. So you know, like uh, it's. I think it was nice. I'd like to think we could share our toys. Yeah, <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> Another comparison between the Dead Tree edition and the digital edition is that the print edition has a cover price of $28.95 and the digital edition, which has many more features, interactivity, a soundtrack, a vocal track, is less than half that price at $11.99. And yet, mm. co when you compare it to its competition on Steam, not just other IF, but other games that have high-res graphics, you know, 1080p of soundtrack and online multiplayer... Some people mm. might find eleven ninety nine to be a lot for a game that is mostly text. So how do yeah. you, how how do you settle on the pricing, or if people are critical, how do you justify the pricing? Yeah, pricing is always a tricky issue. The thing is, um, I think basically uh, we've we've got to like gauge it based on what it is, rather than basing it on things that are not the same thing. You know, it's it it is what it is. It's it's not a it's not a multiplayer shooter it's not a like a it's, it's not, not going to make a billion dollars in its first day which yeah like call of duty can do and things like that yeah it's not that kind of game as much as we love them to be a lot more mainstream these games are they they have a niche audience and um as a result of that you know it's we 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 think it's better to to be a bit more realistic realistic about it um you know these it's it, it costs a lot of time and, and effort and money to make these things. So, um, yeah. And, and as you say, you know, it's like half the price of the, um, or even less of the, the actual print book edition, which is pretty cool. I think considering, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a really well written book, you know, um, it's, you know, it's not, not just in terms of proofreading and things like that. It's really funny. It's, it's genuinely funny. It's, um, uh, really deep there's a lot of different endings it's uh got a lot of a lot of kinds of humor um and there's like a whole lot of different high quality artwork from a lot of well-known artists which is 
you know, pretty awesome. And as as we mentioned as well, like this is the first time that the narration has been fully fully available as well. So there's that's taken account as well. Then there's like um, all the kind of stuff like getting ready the PC edition, the Mac edition, the Linux edition, and getting uh, preparing all the assets and art and, and hooking up all the stuff for achievements and trading cards and all that kind of stuff. So all t- all together, yeah, it's pretty. There's a, there's a long and short of it is there's a lot of work to do and a lot of effort that goes into these things and so a lot of love yeah and so that's that's why it is. No, I agree that the race to the bottom that we're seeing in a lot of the gaming market. On one hand, it's great for the gamers because they can get a lot of entertainment for a very small amount of money, and it's great for some of the developers because you know if they can sell a thousand games for a buck each, that's more that's better than selling fifty games for you know three dollars each but at, at the same time it can be so hard to be competitive when you are actually pricing something not at what will sell but at what it's actually worth consumers are starting to lose the sense for what these things are actually worth and this game is worth twelve dollars absolutely yeah that, that's exactly it you know we we did we we argued a lot about about this kind of thing but it is it is it is worth that like like i was saying it's it's something that is it's a good it's a good story. It's um, it's really funny, you mm. know. And there's a lot of cool stuff in it. You mentioned the many different assets that are available in this book, and that comes from a lot of different parties that are involved. I can assume that Shakespeare didn't have much input into this project. <laughs> <laughs> the time zone's a little different with Shakespeare. He's um, <laughs> a couple of hundred years. <laughs> But nonetheless, he was based in England. The author now, Ryan North, is based in Canada. His publisher for the Dead Tree edition, Bread Pig, is based in Boston. Yeah. So how how many chefs were in this kitchen? We were lucky in that we came in at the end, so yeah. we didn't have to deal with a lot of that. Yeah, so it was really just uh, – it was uh, pretty much just directly – me directly emailing Ryan back and forth. And um, he's been he's been awesome to work with. Um because you know we we kick around ideas and things and things like that, and I'll send him send him uh, builds of the game, and he's so so positive and receptive of it as it, as it was coming along. Um, he would give feedback, and you know there was uh, there was a lot of a lot of great ideas from him and stuff that we just didn't think of, like um, the ability to uh, skip forward to a choice um, was his suggestion, and we were like, huh. That's really good. Let's <laughs> let's do that, especially and, for me as a tester. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, you know, like that. It's not like a print book, and you can't just jump to a page that you want to. You know, it's a, it's a bit different in that aspect. So being able to jump to a choice because you've like, oh, it's like, all right, this is funny, but I've already read this bit. I want to mm. go to a choice and choose something else. Is a really good work, compromise. Yeah. So um, that was that was really um, some really good feedback that he gave and mm. gave us. Kamina, what were some of the other challenges that you encountered in testing this? <laughs> the narration I had to go through and check every single section <laughs> to make sure it had the right narration and it matched up to a certain point. So that skip button came in handy there because I had to go through the same, the start so many times to get we're, to we're pretty com- We're pretty confident it's working. Out. <laughs> <laughs> it better be, otherwise I'll, be, I'll stop crying. How many hours of narration would you say that there are in this game? Uh, well considering the book is a full-on tome um <laughs> I, oh I don't know how many hours i've played it on steam but yeah i know i, I know it's nearly 500 
uh, files worth of, of yeah. Um, I think of, I'm up to 100 plus hours on my Steam account, yeah. and then there's another work Steam account that I've been using that's a couple hundred hours. Yeah, so, so it's it adds up. It's not brief. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, it was a lot of fun. Like just finding because I had to check every single section, just finding a new section and going through that was really, really a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually that does happen a lot. So Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I really like what he's done to Hamlet. <laughs> what he's done to Hamlet. Not with Hamlet, but to Hamlet. <laughs> with Hamlet. With Hamlet. Sorry. No, I, I was a kid that actually really loved studying Shakespeare at school. <laughs> Uh, the previous game book that I played, as I mentioned in Assassin in Orlando, is I played that on my iPad, but To Be or Not To Be is available from Mac, Windows, and Linux. Are we going to be seeing mobile editions of it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, just uh, in this in this instance, um, we really wanted to focus on the PC, Mac, and Linux ones first, and then um, tackle the uh, other ones so that we could make sure that they're the best that they are, and there's no weird mobile bugs that... Um, could happen if we're if we release everything simultaneously. Mm. Um, it's just we're it adds to the programmer's workload. Yeah, we've got one program, one, one programmer at the moment. And then, I, like for me to be able to test like iOS, Android, Linux, Mac, PC. Yeah, and it, things are things are gonna slip through otherwise. If yeah. that's the case, so we just uh, we've got to stay in them a little bit this time. Once those editions come out, this game will be the beneficiary of both mobile gaming and crowdfunding, which are two of the tools that have democratized game publication and allowed these niche products to exist. Whether you compare this game to interactive fiction like Infocom made or point-and-click adventures like King's Quest, as you mentioned earlier, Mm. those are two genres that have very much faded from the limelight. Their heyday was 20, 30 years ago. Uh, But apparently it's true. Tin Man Games is evidence that you can make your living in these genres yeah uh i mean we've been doing it for about six years now so mm. it, we, we seem to still be okay so yeah, yeah. no it's, it's really yeah. great and like also at packs and things like that it'll have um people coming up it's like i remember reading these as a kid oh, yeah. i really love it yeah and it is interesting because i am younger than some of the some books, of the books <laughs> released. and yeah it's just so just bluff your way through it's fine <laughs> Yeah. Well, after testing, I know everything about every book that I've ever worked on. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there is that resurgence because it's the people who grew up with them are now adults and they can touch it. They have the buying power. Mm, that's so it. we buy what we feel nostalgic about. Yeah. It's really good because, like, I'll get parents coming in. They're like, I read this as a kid and it's great because I'm reading with my kids now on yeah. my iPad and they're really enjoying it. That's it. There have been some really great stories from um, from people that we get. Yeah, like like Cam saying, family family people playing together you know, mm. with their kids, which is awesome. That's introducing them to um, to this kind of stuff and and getting them to read, which is um, I think that was one of the things about the, the particularly the fighting fantasies um, originally, which is like you know it's like a, a secret way of getting past people. Uh, kids who don't want to read, you know, mm. it's like, oh, well, it's not really a book. It's a, it's an adventure that you get to take, you know, yeah. and it's like, oh, but, but there's reading involved. <laughs> don't, don't look at that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know, there were, there were all these, um, there's, there's been a lot of, a lot of positive, uh, a lot of positive feedback we've gotten from, yeah. from a lot of people, which is and excellent. If you look at it, like the Telltale games, mm. which I haven't played yet, but they're kind of that yeah. interactive. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, like um, Walking Dead is. Like, I've only had a, had a chance to play the um, first episode and of the first season. The first season, my God, there's two seasons. Now. <laughs> but yeah, like that was incredibly distressing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, what was the other one? Wolf Among Us. I really yeah. liked that one. That was a Yeah, I, I heard that was interesting. And most recently, we have Life is Strange, which just came out last month and is very similar to those titles. I haven't played that. I. I'm so behind on my gaming. Which, which one was this one? Life is Strange. Life is Strange. Someone was saying it was good. Um, okay. Yeah. I haven't looked at that one yet. I've been too busy. <laughs> uh, Kamina, you've been to PAX East, and of course now Australia has its own PAX. How do you demo a game like this? Do people at PAX on the show floor actually want to stop and take the time to read? Yeah. I am they, so glad you asked this question. <laughs> they really do. Like, uh, It's not just the people who remember reading it as a kid. They... Like, people will come by and we'll have several iPads, we'll have a laptop playing a video, we've got two TVs yeah. that people can then click through. Yeah. Appointments fear did change. My God. Um, like, previously, previous years, you know, imagine trying to show someone a book. It's just, yeah. And then, you know, we had, uh, we had last year um, Appointments fear, which is, like, the most the silliest uh, 60s Batman um, superhero. superhero adventure you've got. And the first thing that happens is like, choose your character, design your character, choose your silly name, you know, and it really gets them into the, into the spirit of the thing and they were having loads of fun. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and again, because it's all short, they're all short little snippets of text that happen at, at times and then you get into combat or make a choice or something like that. It's all really quick. Mm. Um, it just helps so much rather than just like reading slabs of text in, yeah. in, in one go. I think the fact that it also looks different to everything else yeah. draws people's eyes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there were times where it was like huge lines. It's like we need to get these people to stop yeah. playing, but they were having so much fun. And it was because everyone goes to PAX, like not everyone, but a lot of people go to PAX with their friends. So we'd have groups of people all looking over their mate's shoulders yeah. playing it, yelling at him him or her which choice to make, so, yeah which yeah. choice do you want to make that's um, it and so yeah it became a very interactive like experience. friends <laughs> co-op experience yeah. kind of yeah i'm really looking forward to seeing to be being uh, demoed at a, at a con because oh, that'd be that's going to be hilarious i would love that yeah and when is that going to happen certainly it is because it's like just down the road from us <laughs> it's 15 um, minute walk out. yeah we, we're hoping prime we'd like to fingers be at crossed, prime. fingers crossed yeah fingers crossed. i'd really love to go to prime the, thi- the thing is that um it's you know it's the distance and the and the and the money uh, unfortunately you know like uh we do we do get assistance from government grants which are fantastic mm-hmm. but um at, unfortunately for this year it had kind of the that that particular grant had had run out, so we have to wait for the next financial year, which is around the same time as prime. Yeah, so hopefully we can get it. Yeah, fingers crossed. I'd love to do that. Yeah, but but despite the distance and the remote geography, Australia seems to be a hotbed for gaming. I've previously interviewed on this podcast uh, Sion Rosenblum from Three Sprockets and Adrian Moore from Love Shack. And I'm hosting a panel at PAX East about empathy games. And Nicole Stark from Disparity Games got a travel grant to come to PAX East and speak. Yeah, no, Australia's doing really well. We had, um, when the GFC hit, we actually had quite a few large studios up in Brisbane. Um, and then they, oh, down here, they all just closed. Oh, yeah, they just yeah. closed. It kept happening. And, um, yeah. But from that, we've got a lot of indie studios who yeah. have 
grown and so it's really great. Yeah, I'm so glad Sion's doing well. Um, Fight the Dragon sounds like it's coming I'm, I'm on so great. glad everyone who was previously Every- mentioned is yeah, doing well. Yeah. But no, like, I, I've worked with Sion before, like, um, and he's he's very passionate about what he does, mm. you know. Um, and Sparry, we've bought, you know, we've bought it to them and they're, yeah. yeah. Um, there's there's so many, so many, you just, you just keep bumping into people, you know, like, but um, the guys from Wanda down here, um, there's Armello's um, upstairs, upstairs. Um, the screen sheet guys are here. Um, there's, yeah. well, we are working in the arcade, which is like a shared games company's yeah. space. So, so it, it's, it's kind of like um, where all the indies go when PAX isn't on. <laughs> You mentioned how passionate Sion is, but I think that's true of almost anybody in indie games because nobody goes into indies to make it rich. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I went into publishing. I know how it is. Yeah. Yeah. One last question. I played To Be or Not To Be, and the first time I played it, I died almost immediately. Like I didn't even. I I chose to not choose a character, and they're like, "Wow, you you fail at reading. Try again." (laughs) Uh, The the second time I played as Hamlet Senior, that did not end well, as you can imagine. Yeah. But 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 the third time, I thought I got a pretty good ending. I played as Ophelia, and I married Hamlet, and I invented central heating. Which was pretty yep. cool, and yet, it is cool. and yet, <laughs> literally, and yet the the the, 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 he, the rating system at the end of the game gave me the lowest score possible. So, what does it take to win Hamlet? Follow the skulls. Yeah, that the Hamlometer shows you how accurate you are to the story of Hamlet. So, if you follow this, if you follow the Yorick skulls, you'll get the um, you'll get a a two B rating. But if you um if you go on your off your on your own path you'll you'll um vary based on the skulls you find. It's not bad. It's just um you're not Hamlet. Yeah, because I know, I know enough Shakespeare to know that if I follow the skulls, I don't get a happy ending. <laughs> no. Well, you get the correct ending. It depends on your perspective, really. If if you want to avenge yourself and kill the entire court of Denmark, and that's your life goal, then you achieve your life goal. I just gave away the massive spoiler. Hamlet is quite old, though, so... And it's like 400 years old. Yeah, yeah, worked it out. I think the statute of limitations has expired on that one. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, too soon? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, it's, it's, it's a really fun game. It's unique. I've enjoyed it, and I've enjoyed speaking with you as well. So thank you so much for your time. And uh, anything you want to add to our listeners or anything you want to let them know where to find you or your game? Yeah, so you can find uh, our game books on gamebookadventures.com. Yep. Yeah. Um, on Steam, on Humble. Yeah. Um, soon to be iOS and Android. Yeah. Once we once we got that already. <laughs> <laughs> Coffee helps. And yeah, I'm I'm glad you've enjoyed it. I hope everyone does enjoy it. Yeah. Um, we've gotten a a good response from people so far, which is great. And so yeah, please please tell us you like our games. It helps. It makes us feel better. It does. We're, we're, <laughs> we're very needy. Our self esteem needs constant stroking. <laughs> please please like us. <laughs> I like you very much, so thank you so much for your time. Thanks for no having us. Ken. Thanks so much. This has been Indie Cider, a GameBits production. Find more episodes, read our blog, or send feedback at IndieCider.net. Hello? Hello? Oh no, did I lose you? Come back. Hello?
Hi, I think we're back. Yeah, sorry about that. Our internet is Australian. 